Welcome, y'all, to the Nuga Bell Show, a podcast all about stories of the South straight from the sources. I'm your host, Kate Robertson, the Southern food and lifestyle blogger behind a thoughtandahalf.com based in the scenic city of Chattanooga, Tennessee. The Nuga Bell Show is a place where people from all walks of life can share their stories of life in the South as they have lived, seen, and experienced it. So pour yourself a glass of sweet tea or a cup of coffee and enjoy this episode of the Nuga Bell Show. Hey y'all, welcome to episode four of the Nuga Bell podcast. And I'm super excited to be here with Jacqueline Humble, founder and designer of Fraserland Jewelry and co-host of the Millennial Homemakers podcast. Hey y'all, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to have another Chattanooga podcaster here. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So fun story, Jacqueline and I were like Instagram friends for a little while and then all of a sudden we randomly ran into each other at Wildflower Tea Shop and Apothecary downtown. I was walking out and she was coming in and we looked at each other and we were like, wait a second, you're Jacqueline. You're Kate. We're, we're Insta friends. <laughs> and now we're IRL friends. That's that's how you make friends in Chattanooga, apparently. Anyway, so as I mentioned, Jacqueline is the designer and founder of a jewelry company and co-host a podcast. So tell us a little bit about how all of that came to be. Okay. Um... <laughs> Well, I have a background in fashion and boutique retail, and I was a manager of a boutique all through college um, in Augusta, Georgia, where I was raised. And so if you like golf, then you know where Augusta is. We host the Masters every year. My cousin and her husband live there. Oh, really? Awesome. I might know them. It's a small city. Uh, Same with Chattanooga. Yeah. And so my background was in that, and I worked all through college, and I studied PR, um, and then I moved to Chattanooga because my husband was from here, and um, he had an apparel brand. He was a pro cyclist. Oh, cool. And so it was a pro cycling sportswear apparel brand, so I learned about manufacturing, and I always just loved fashion and design and marketing, and so kind of combining all my different passions, I decided to start a costume jewelry brand. Fraser Lynn Jewelry Brand of the South. I focus on Southern marketing and working with other Southern brands and just promoting what I believe to be the best place to live in the whole world. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and then I have a podcast as a hobby on the side with my best friends since fifth grade. Her name is Jacqueline as well, but she oh goes gosh. by Jackie. And we actually have the same spelling. It's J-A-C-L-Y-N. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of more of a unique spelling because both of our moms were Charlie's Angels fans. And oh Jacqueline Smith was an actress. So it's just kind of funny that it's Jacqueline and Jackie. And we were just having these conversations about being newlyweds and uh, young professionals with an entry-level budget and just kind of keeping up with this Pinterest world that we all live in. And oh. The comparison game. I mean, everyone's house looks perfect and they can afford all these extravagant dinners and new furniture and beautiful clothes. And so we just wanted to start a podcast talking about it rather than something visual um, to kind of cut out the comparison game and just have an honest conversation about how we're making it through and how we're keeping up with 
Pinterest. Oh my gosh, I love hearing that because the comparison game is something that I think a lot of people fight. And I work in social media, so I see both sides of it. I see how social media can be great for like building relationships with brands and all of that stuff. But I also see the other side of it that like you were talking about, the more personal side that's, you know, oh, my life isn't as pretty as that. Or why don't I have an Instagram living room and stuff like that. So I love that y'all are having that conversation. So tell us about how you picked Fraser Lynn for the name of your jewelry line. Well, when I started my brand, uh, one thing that I really wanted to do was pay respect and honor to my dad. And we don't have any sons um, in like our immediate family. It's just mm -hmm. my sister and I. So I knew I wanted to use my maiden name Frasier. Of course. In it. And Lynn comes from, I'm Jacqueline, my sister is Caitlin. And so the last three letters of our name, even though I added another N for <laughs> Frasier Lynn, because that's how you spell the first name. Right. Um, and just the name by itself, because I wanted to kind of pay tribute to our bond that we share and just southern women in general and I didn't want to name it after myself because um, hopefully one day when I have other employees <laughs> and people working for me and people designing that it's not just on my name Jacqueline Humble that it's Fraser Lynn and it becomes its own vessel so that's why I named it that. Oh, I love that. <laughs> and I read something on your website about the logo you yes. have. That's the diamond and the strawberry. That's yes. super interesting. I kind of came up with that concept by using Fraser because Fraser in French is the word like the root word comes from the same word for strawberry. Ah. So curly red hair, also strawberry blonde. Mm -hmm. That is in the Fraser lineage. Very Scottish. <laughs> and then Lynn uh, represents my sister and I, and we both were 80 pies in college. Ah. The diamond. So the strawberry and the diamond. And then I came up with the original concept, but then I had a local design firm, Widgets and Stone, kind of straightened all the lines and mm -hmm. made it look better. And I feel like, you know, once they said, this is the complete, the final mm -hmm. logo, then I won't be tempted to touch it because I'm the queen of rebrand. Oh my gosh. So, <laughs> you know, I'll have like five websites, but not a lot of content because I just keep, Same. I can't, I'm like a perfectionist. So oh my gosh. really having them put their seal of approval and we had worked with them before and it was just yeah. great. So for the first like three or four, arguably first four years that I was blogging, I was on Google Blogger <laughs> and I kept changing my theme like two or three times a year and it just got to be a joke with my friends that they're like, oh, you're rebranding again. And I finally, when I finished grad school, I had done enough work with like web design <laughs> and content management on WordPress and everything that I was like, okay, it's time for me to make this like a little bit more professional. So I did a full like complete rebrand, new colors, new fonts, new logo, everything. And I finally have kept that since about June of 2015. Yeah. And I'm like, yes, going that, strong. That is a proud moment. Because when you're a creative person and when you do that work for mm -hmm. other people, it's so tempting to focus on that instead of focusing on things that are scary, yeah. like <laughs> selling two boutiques or whatever. Yeah. So... That's awesome. You also just had a booth at a market down in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. yeah. I went to the um, America Smart, the Atlanta apparel market mm -hmm. in Atlanta, and met with a bunch of um, boutique buyers. And I used to be a buyer there. Mm -hmm. So it was really kind of a surreal moment to be on the other side exhibiting at the market when I had bought there season after season, just dreaming of what mm -hmm. it would be like for that to be my real job one day. <laughs> so... Oh, that's so cool. 
Um, so you're not originally from Chattanooga. You said you moved here with your husband. Yes. So where were you originally from? Take us back to like all the way back. I love hearing all, these. All the way back. Okay. So I was born in Gainesville, Florida. Okay. Are which, you a Gators fan? Um, my parents are, I guess I have to be by birth because <laughs> I was born pretty much on the campus. And gotcha. as everyone knows, college football is a religion in the South. Yes. So, <laughs> uh, so they both went to UF. My dad was working at the dental school there. And my mom had gone to nursing school there. And so my sister and I were both born in Gainesville. And then he took a job um, at the dental school in Georgia, oh, cool. which is in Augusta. And so Athens doesn't have a dental or medical school. So all those medical campuses are in Augusta. And I grew up there since 94. So I was like four years old when we moved there. So I say I'm from Augusta, even though I'm technically from Florida. It's funny. I've lived up and down the East Coast. I was born in North Carolina. My whole family's originally from North Carolina. Uh, grew up in Atlanta, lived in Pennsylvania for a little while, went to college in Virginia, grad school back in North Carolina, and then I moved to Chattanooga when I uh, finished grad school. And for the longest time, I would always tell people that I'm from Atlanta, but then I lived in North Carolina for a year, and I kind of rediscovered my roots, and I was closer to my grandparents, who I didn't get to see all that much. And since I've been living here, I've been saying more and more that I'm from North Carolina. And my parents are now both retired. They live in North Carolina on a lake near my mom's hometown. Okay. So North Carolina truly is home for me again, except I'm just the only one who doesn't live there. For a while in my Instagram bio, since <laughs> we like Instagram a lot, I guess, not sponsored by them. No. Hashtag not Nat. Uh, we, so my Instagram bio used to say, heritage in Florida home in Georgia, heart in Tennessee, because Jordan lives in Tennessee. He's from Chattanooga, mm -hmm. Signal Mountain, and went to University of Tennessee, Knoxville, so gotcha. I, like, have to be a Vols fan now, because oh, uh, we didn't have college football at my school. I went to small state school in Augusta. Anyway, I can't get away from Orange, I no. guess, <laughs> but, uh, and so my dad was he went to college in Florida because his parents, all his family's from Maryland. Mm -hmm. And so they retired in Florida because ah. his parents were, um, he was the last child, definitely a lot younger than his other siblings. So he went to high school in Florida and then college because that was the state school. And then my mom, her father was Cuban. And oh. so they lived in Miami. And so I've never lived in Miami, but I consider Miami to be, since that's where an overwhelmingly majority mm -hmm. of my family is, I kind of consider that home too, like Augusta, <laughs> even though I never lived there, but we would spend um, months and summers mm -hmm. and all of our holidays were in Miami. So it's kind of weird that I don't um, have anything to do with Gainesville because I only lived there for a very short period of time, but yeah. I feel like Miami and Florida. Florida is more um, of home, and of course, Augusta, where yeah. my parents still live. Oh, that's so cool. Um, yeah, I can't get away from orange either, because I went to Virginia Tech, <laughs> Okay, and we had, like, the weirdest color palette in all of college. It's maroon and orange, yes. which is just, like, one of those things that I thought, like, ew, that's so gross, and then as soon as you become a student, you're like, yes, my whole wardrobe <laughs> is maroon and orange, and I literally did. I saw my wardrobe just, like, absolutely transform from, like, blues and grays and pinks to maroon and orange. Well, I have game day colors for jewelry in the fall, and ah. I 
because college football is so important. Mm -hmm. And when I was a buyer for boutique, when we were buying for fall, game day was really important. And we had, we were in Augusta, so we had Athens mm -hmm. with UGA and then Columbia, which was only an hour away with mm -hmm. USC, South Carolina, not California. You have to dis <laughs> distinguish depending Sometimes, on yeah. what, if, what side of the Mississippi River you're on. <laughs> Same thing with UT, you know. It's like radio stations. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, and anyway, but we would go into market and I would have the Pantone colors. Okay, this is South Carolina red. This is Georgia red. So with my, oh my game gosh. day colors, I have everything perfect. So I have a nice like orange for you that's different than like the UT oh, orange. Yay. You know, I'm you're have more to stay like for this. with the uh, Auburn orange mm -hmm. kind of uh, shade. So I. I worked really hard on my oranges and my blues. They're very those important. Are very important. <laughs> so both of my parents and several of my cousins went to UNC Chapel Hill for college. So that is a very particular Carolina yes. blue. Yes. Anything that even goes near royal blue, we call it Duke blue. Yes. It's an absolute <laughs> I was gonna say I have a I have a specific stone that I only use for UNC. Oh good. <laughs> because it's like such a pretty like pale but still kind of vibrant blue. Mm -hmm. Uh anyway, it's, it's fun. It's funny. I have like turned down dresses yes. for formal <laughs> events because they are Duke blue. My mom's like, oh, but it would look so nice with your eyes, and I'm like, Mom, do you realize what you just you just told me to wear a Duke blue dress? <laughs> That is so funny. I had a friend that did pageants and she had a beautiful, beautiful orange dress, Aww. but her parents were UGA fans. And um, her dad was like, that's an Auburn dress. And then she like didn't want to wear it. I mean, she still did, but it ruined it for her. Yeah. So that oh is gosh. pretty funny. My childhood best friend went to FSU uh -huh. for college. And the now, criminals. Yeah, sorry, Christina. <laughs> but she's at Clemson for grad school uh -huh. now. And I keep telling her, I was like, come on, you have to keep making us ACC rivals here. <laughs> but she, yeah, we had some fun when Tech and FSU would play. Well, actually, when we played each other in the ACC championship in 2010, she's a year younger than me, so she wasn't at FSU yet. But any other time after that, and when Tech plays Clemson now, we kind See, of like See, it's funny for you other. to say Tech, because I think of Georgia, Georgia Tech, because yeah. my sister went there. So it, it, it's just really it's so interesting. Weird. That would have been, like, the hardest thing to get used to <laughs> if I had moved to Atlanta, and I would have been talking yeah. about Tech, and everyone, like, I would say, like, oh, I was a liberal arts major, and people would be like, at Georgia Tech? <laughs> <laughs> I think you are at the wrong place. Yeah, <laughs> then I'd have to clarify and be like, sorry, I'm at Virginia Tech. <laughs> Georgia Tech, I I had several friends who went there. And of course, they're all like engineers and like the smartest mm. people I've ever met. <laughs> my sister's a surgeon, so oh, yeah. I can agree with that. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. All right, so I've got this little jar here. And if you're listening to the Nougat Bell podcast for the first time, this is a jar full of colorful pieces of paper with little questions and fill in the blanks and things that we get to answer and talk about. So I'll go first. I updated some of these last night, so they should be fairly new. It's warm, sunny, and a good porch sitting day. What are you drinking? Well, I try not to drink alcohol on Sundays. So if it's not a Sunday, I'm drinking a mint julep. But if it's a Sunday, I'm drinking sweet tea. Do I get to answer it too? Oh, of course. Okay, <laughs> I'm definitely drinking an Arnold Palmer. Nice. Because that is, you know, being from Augusta. Augusta. And when I had my booth in Atlanta at the apparel market, I had an Arnold Palmer. Parmel, 
Arnold Palmer <laughs> if I can get it out station. And I think that it's best when you use sweet tea and then pink lemonade. Ooh. So it's kind of a calm Arnie Peas. So it's kind of a little bit girlier. But And then I had a friend that worked at the Masters Tournament. And I remember he made his Facebook status one day. Served an Arnold Palmer to Arnold Palmer. And that was like his status. <laughs> like life made or something. Rest in peace now. But oh I thought gosh. that was hilarious. Okay, my turn. Yeah. I've never choose? tried an Arnold Palmer with oh pink lemonade. Gosh, yes. Pink lemonade. I've only ever had it with regular lemonade. No, and then some people won't make it with, they'll make it with unsweet tea, and that's a sin. Yeah. So. <laughs> okay. The best tailgate spread always includes, hmm, I'd say a few things. One of them is definitely water. I mm -hmm. think that that is underrated, <laughs> and if you're consuming alcohol, and then you're going to be sitting in the hot stadium all day, oh. you should be hydrated with water. But I would also say um, if it's a morning game, then definitely some sort of brunch. Theme. Yes. I love a Bloody Mary, love some mimosas, and anything you can make little waffle sticks oh and kind of, you know, like have a little dipping syrup and walk and talk. So really mobile foods, too. You have to think about what you're going to be doing at the tailgate, and that's mm -hmm. not having a sit-down dinner. So really easy foods, but definitely brunch, especially for those morning oh, games. Oh, couldn't agree more. So I tailgate with the Chattahooligans for Chattanooga FC, and we've done brunch tailgates before, and they are my favorite far and away. And we always have this, like, giant table. We have, like, breakfast casseroles, and uh -huh. someone's got a grill going, and they're making French toast, and... All sorts of, like, finger foods and muffins and all sorts of stuff. And I wish every tailgate could be a brunch tailgate. Well, honestly, <laughs> I don't know where I'm from. Tailgating starts at 10 a.m. No yeah. matter <laughs> what time the game starts. But <laughs> especially true. if it's, like, a noon game. That's um, true. There were times at Tech where I woke up earlier to tailgate than <laughs> I would for class. And I know I was not the only one who did that. You need to tweet that. <laughs> I, w I might have in college at some point, but I will retweet it. All right, let's see. My favorite place in Chattanooga to go clear my mind is... I've only ever done this a handful of times, okay. but there were a couple of times in the few years that I've lived here where I was just super stressed out and just worrying about things that, in retrospect, were just not that important. And I woke up super early, went up to the walking bridge, got a cup of coffee and like a muffin or something, and just sat there and watched the sunrise. And I think the couple of times that I've done that, it was just what I needed. So I would have to say the walking bridge at sunrise. I think that's a great answer. When I first moved to Chattanooga, I moved into North Shore. So I was right at Tremont and Fraser, which had a, <laughs> Fraser had to live on Fraser. My Wi-Fi is actually still Fraser on Fraser. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so anyway, and so I moved into that's the apartment there. That's a great there. location. It was fabulous. It was a shoebox up apartment 500 square feet for way too much money but it was so lovely and I'd go and I'd walk on the walking bridge all the time I will say when it got really cold when you would walk across the bridge it was so frigid I mm -hmm. got my I always had to wear earmuffs things I was not used to being yep. from Augusta <laughs> and so I agree with the walking bridge just walking all around the art district mm -hmm. Bluffview art district and North Shore and then Right now, we live on Signal Mountain, which uh, Chattanooga is in a valley surrounded by two, I would say, main mountains that people live on. That's Lookout Mountain and then Signal Mountain. And going and driving on the brow 
oh, it's yeah. really refreshing. That's the thing that I feel like I do with my husband because I don't like driving too much on mountain yeah. roads, but it is a good place. Sometimes when we're coming home and we're listening to a good playlist mm-hmm. and we want to keep listening to it, we'll just drive on the brow and see all the beautiful lights and those mountain views. Oh my gosh, can't beat them. Yes. Yeah, the weather's supposed to be nice this weekend, so I'm hoping I can get out and go for a hike. That'll be fun. <laughs> I hope so. It's supposed to be sunny in like the low 60s. Yeah. Oh, I okay. think so. My turn, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, the first thing I buy at the farmer's market is, okay, the first thing that I do is I like to stop by the little bouquet station mm-hmm. and I get them working on a bouquet and sometimes he'll have a line or something and so I'll like check in but I always make sure that I'm in line, I have a husband in line or a friend <laughs> in line, you know what I mean, uh, to get that. And then, yeah, that's definitely my first stop. And it's starting up in a few months, like April. End of April, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm super excited. I love the flowers, and they've got several different flower vendors, too. I got once, I went, and whatever flower vendor I went to, she had just all sorts of different colors, and it was kind of towards the end of the summer, and football uh-huh. season was coming up. And I was the only one in line. And she was like, got any special requests? And I was like, maroon and orange. (laughs) And she kind of looked at me funny. And she goes, those must be your school colors. (laughs) Absolutely right. Um, But for me at the market, I always go for produce first. Always. I love, they always have strawberries and blueberries and kind of towards the fall, zucchini. And I do my, like half my grocery shopping at the market easily. No, I do too. And I get the little bucket or the little baskets of the fresh squash. Mm -hmm. I love the green beans and the corn. Oh my gosh. You cannot be like fresh off the truck corn. (laughs) Oh my God. I haven't bought that. Oh, you have it? You need to. It's amazing. And I like it because then... I'll keep it as a snack around the house, Mm -hmm. you know, it'll be in the fridge and then I'll pull it out and I'll shave it, whatever. And then I'll put cheese on it and salsa and make kind of like a street corn and we'll eat that as a snack. It's the best. Oh, nice. Yeah. I can't wait for the farmer's market. I know. Me too. I was looking up at dates. Um, And they always have really cool like weekly events too. mm -hmm. They have like a food truck festival and then last year they did a big thing for Moon Pies 100th birthday. And And they always do that one. It's like an ice cream social. Yes. And it benefits the kids hospital I think. Something I think. Yeah. And then they'll do like Oktoberfest. I went to Oktoberfest this past year. And it was a good time. We went to Oktoberfest just because you could get a giant turkey leg. And anywhere yeah. you can get a turkey leg was worth going to. Oh my gosh. So at Tech, uh, our mascot's the Hokies, uh-huh. which is a big giant bird. Uh-huh. And we sell fried turkey legs at our football games. And I've always thought Cannibals. that... I've always thought that's a little bit sadistic. Yeah. But they're so good that I don't feel bad about it. Oh my goodness. The best burger in Chattanooga. Uh, I gotta go Main Street Meats. Okay. I love, they're, whatever, like, cheese they put on, I think it's Gruyere, but it's mm-hmm. real thick-cut bacon and Gruyere, and it's super, super juicy. I love Tremont Tavern, but, like, I'm sorry, you're not on my side of town, I don't go to you that much, but Main Street Meats and Dub's Place over in Red Bank. Okay, I've never eaten a burger at Main Street Meats, so I feel like that's probably a sin that I should correct, <laughs> and... I've never been to Tremont Tavern, even though I lived on right Tremont there. and Fraser. I don't know. <laughs> never went over there. Okay, so what I think, I would say I have two. One is, I feel like the terminal is such mm-hmm. like a Chattanooga classic. We always bring people that come mm-hmm. and visit us to eat at the terminal for at least one meal. So I like their bison burger. So Ooh. if you like bison. 
Ooh, I haven't had a good bison burger. Um, mm. It's really good. So that is really good. And then also, I really love the um, Honest Pint. And they have really good burgers. And then they have their tater tots are fried in duck fat. Oh my gosh, their tater tots are so good. <laughs> and then they have that sriracha ketchup. And mm -hmm. then some garlic mayo-y kind of aioli or whatever. Yeah. Like, fancy word for mayo. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh, those tater tots at Honest Pint. Oh man. So, so good. Yeah. But they have really good burgers too, but I probably just get the burger from the Tots. <laughs> yeah. I've, I went there for like a soccer watching party one night. I got one of their like just appetizer portions of the tater tots and the people that I was with were like, are you going to get actual food? I'm like, nope, this is good enough. Pop and tots. <laughs> yep. Let's do one oh. more each. Okay. All right. My best piece of Southern wisdom my friend and I talked about this in an earlier episode, but I want to try it again. So let's see. My best piece of Southern wisdom. You know what? I'm going to tell a little bit of a story here. So my best piece of Southern wisdom for this episode is bloom where you're planted. The story behind that is I moved to Chattanooga not really knowing, like, I didn't know anybody. And I moved here for my job and I was in a relationship at the time. Relationship died and then I was still here for my job and I felt kind of lost and like wasn't really sure like what I was going to do with myself. And I had my like quarter life crisis. I finally woke up one morning and was like, no, I'm going to stay here and I'm going to like learn everything that I can. And I bloomed where I was planted. That's a good one. I like that one. So, I don't know. I'm going to cheat a little bit. Well, it depends how south you want to go. You can <laughs> consider... I And I one of my favorite things about the south mm -hmm. is that it is a melting pot and such a mixture of the different cultures. It has a very strong Latin presence and French if you go to New Orleans. Mm. And I just love all the different cultures that are melted into one. And the food's great anyway. So, <laughs> this is from my grandfather. And he always said, and he's the one that was from Cuba, mm -hmm. worked his way to America um, to do a medical residency oh, wow. and paid his own way through med school at the University of Havana. Just came over with like $18 in his pocket. Like seriously, like the rags to riches oh, American gosh. dream story. And so Pop-Up used to always say, remember, you are not better than anybody, but nobody is better than you. Aww. And he treated everyone, whether you were the help or the CEO, he treated you the exact same. And he helped start a hospital in Miami, and he would give every female that worked at the hospital, whether you're a maid, a physician, whatever you were, he would give them a perf bottle of perfume for Christmas. So he really did treat everyone the same, and that's just kind of something that I've strived to live like, mm -hmm. and something that all my cousins and um, my mom and their siblings take to heart as well. Oh, so. that's beautiful. Oh, I love that. That warms my heart. Yeah, he was, he, he has some cool stories. Oh, I bet. <laughs> yeah. Okay, last one. Pick okay. One. What color should I choose? Okay, I'm I don't green. think I've done green yet. Um, dot, dot, dot said no southerner ever. Um... <laughs> There's too much snow. <laughs> that, and I think my automatic one was, uh, let's retire to New York. Oh, yeah. No, that is something that I uh, have with all my jewelry brand branding, because I try to do, like, southern sayings and mm -hmm. things, is no one retires, you know, no one moves and retires up north. No, they don't. And why would you? <laughs> okay. All right. That was fun. I love doing that. You learn so much about people. It is a fun game. I think we should 
Jackie, if you're listening, take notes. We should start our own question jar in our podcast. I can't remember. I, this wasn't my original idea. I think one of my friends that I was talking to when I was first starting to, like, plan my show, I wanted some more structure. Yeah. And he was like, oh, you should do, like, a question and answer thing and have, you know, listeners sending questions. And I was like, oh, well, I'm not going to have enough listeners in my first, like, two episodes <laughs> to do that. So I kind of thought about it a little bit, and I came up with this, and it served me very well. It's so much fun. All right, so I was catching up on the Millennial Homemakers podcast the other day, and you had two topics that I really wanted to talk about and expand upon, because they are two things that I am trying very hard to adopt into my lifestyle. Meal planning and capsule wardrobes. Mm -hmm. I cleaned out four bags of clothes and took them to Goodwill this That's weekend. That's amazing. As my, like, success of slowly transitioning to a capsule wardrobe. Okay. So let's talk about what is a capsule wardrobe. Okay, so pe different people have different definitions. And so a capsule wardrobe is essentially, sometimes it's a set number of pieces that you have, and then you mix and match those outfits. So let's say you have 12 shirts. A lot, I think it's like 42 or 37 is like a number that mm -hmm. a lot of people use for this is how many like articles of clothing that you can have. That's not including undergarments. A lot of times workout wear isn't included. That's just um, professional clothing, day-to-day -day casual mm -hmm. things. So you mix and match. So you have like, you know, one staple cardigan. And the whole idea behind it is, one, to actually have clothes that fit you mm -hmm. and that you're going to wear and that you like. Uh, two is that there are higher quality items usually, and there are things that since you have less, you can spend a little bit more. Mm -hmm. You're going to be wearing it more, so it has to hold up to wear and tear. Three, it's about defining your personal style. So when you look into your wardrobe or your closet, you don't feel like you don't have anything to wear. Right. So it's kind of about like using less, having a more defined personal style, and having higher quality things. Yeah, and I'm okay with spending a little bit more money on something if I know, A, it's going to last me years and years, and I'm going to wear it often. That's always my biggest struggle because, like, as you mentioned, millennials are often on a super tight budget, mm -hmm. so it's not always easy to splurge on a $70 sweater or a $70 pair of jeans, but if you know it's going to last you, five or six years it's and okay one of the things that I like about it is it also teaches you a lot about one like dressing what silhouettes you like mm -hmm. and what is flattering to you because then when you are shopping I think you're a little bit more mindful mm -hmm. about I'm not gonna buy this shirt just to wear because I have a you know cocktails with my girlfriends that weekend or whatever you know you're gonna buy that shirt because it can you can wear it to church, you can wear it to work, you can wear it out, you know, all those different things. Mm -hmm. And it looks great on your skin tone and everything yeah. else. So I bought a dress around the holidays from, I can't, I've ordered it from online somewhere. And it was one of those that it was a little bit more money than I wanted to spend. So I was like, all right, I got to think of like multiple occasions mm -hmm. where I can wear this. So I wore it for like my work holiday party, a holiday party at home. And then for New Year's Eve, and I think I've worn it once since then, so that like $50 dress has already kind of paid for itself, and it fits great. It's uh, like a shift dress, and it's mm -hmm. like three-quarter sleeve and has like slits in the mm -hmm. arms, so it's not super like flowy and annoying, but it's great. So I'm hoping 
that I can make that one last at least another year or two. Yeah, and going away from trends, so you can still incorporate trends into your capsule, but it's more mindful of classic silhouettes and that every single piece of clothing is the exact pattern that you want, the exact cut that you want, every color, everything mm -hmm. like that, material, quality, and so you don't have to question like, oh, but I, I would wear this, but it's just the skirt is a little bit too long that mm -hmm. I, you know, it doesn't, makes my legs look cut off or right. whatever. My other biggest struggle in cleaning up my closet, and I try to do like a closet review every couple of months mm -hmm. just to see like, okay, am I really wearing this? And I had a conversation with another friend of mine about this the other day we were saying the biggest struggle in cleaning out your closet is looking at something and thinking, well, I haven't really worn that, but I might wear it for this, or it might, it would be so great if I ever had an event like this, so you keep it, but then literally you never wear it. And I had sweaters that I had been applying that mindset to that were like four years old that I hadn't worn in three years, mm -hmm. so I was like, all right. You're cute, but it's time for you to go. Something that my co-host on the podcast, uh, Jackie, had done before is the hanger thing oh, where yeah. you have the hangers all facing one way and then every single time you wear the item, then you face it the other way. And after six months or a year, different people do different things. They donate all the stuff that they didn't wear. And so you can easily tell mm -hmm. by how you put the hanger. But the problem with me is that I try everything on every time I get dressed almost. And so I like wouldn't have a, you know, realize what I was putting on and stuff. I'm not that coordinated, I guess, to do that test. But Jackie had done it before, but she still liked the idea of a capsule wardrobe because she would kind of force herself to wear mm -hmm. more when she didn't actually want to when she didn't need to. Right. And it's so surprising how much you can do with just like four mm -hmm. or five pieces of clothing. Like I went down from like six pairs of jeans to three. Yeah. And between those and my leggings, I am all set. No, I mean, seriously, I, it's, it's amazing what it does. And most of my capsule wardrobe is blue mm -hmm. because I love blue. It's just blue and white. Like I have so many blue and white tops and I can't tell you, I would like buy the same thing every time, but they just weren't that nice quality. So I like mm -hmm. gave away or thread up, you know, sent off some of the nicer brands. And then I got like really nice blue and white tops, which I'm wearing one now. <laughs> oh, it's so cute. I finally broke down and bought some plaid flannel a few months ago. And it took me a while to find some that fit me the right way, were colors that I liked, and I knew were going to last long enough. And I finally found a few at Bass Pro Shops. Oh, nice. And those, those have served me very well. I bought one at Belk. I wore it and washed it once, and there was already a hole in it. Oh, yeah. And I was like, okay, this isn't going to – I tried to, like, sew it back up, but the hole was, like, right in my back, so oh, whenever weird. I, like, raised my arms, it <laughs> tore it again, so – no, I was much happier spending a little bit more money than getting something that was better quality for sure. Um, so what tips do you have for someone who wants to try a capsule wardrobe but doesn't really know where to get started? Start making a list. So I would say kind of mentally before you even look in your closet is think about who do I want to portray myself as? You know, do I want to be professional? And then kind of like make a list of things that you want to portray yourself as mm -hmm. and then kind of start thinking of, okay, well, to be that person. So if you want to be 
like for me is classic and more professional than casual. You know, I started making a list of like these kind of materials and stuff. And then I started kind of applying that to some outfits mm -hmm. before I even started like giving away stuff and sorting things. So it was like, I started getting, being more intentional with how I got dressed. And then my capsule just kind of started building itself. And then I got to a place where I was comfortable with donating things. Oh yeah. Because <laughs> if you just try to donate stuff at first, you're going to feel like that you're just kind of giving away the there's things that are sentimental mm -hmm. or um, th there can be a lot of baggage with clothes, whether from a time period in your life, especially being out of college, kind of being young professionals, your wardrobe's going to change significantly. Mm -hmm. But you still totally have has. like a box of sorority shirts, you know, <laughs> and that you, you're not ready to part with. So you can make it into a quilt or use it when you work out, whatever. So, you know, going through those different things, I think making a list of who you want to be, because that's, to me, that's the most important thing about the capsule wardrobe is who you are presenting yourself as to the world. That's great advice. I like that. I have a t-shirt quilt, actually. Oh, awesome. All of my maroon and orange t-shirts from VT <laughs> that I didn't really wear, but I wasn't ready to part right. with. So my mom had a made into a quilt for me for my birthday a few years ago, and I love it. Highly recommend doing that if you have any old t-shirts that you're not really ready to part with. Great idea. Okay, so you also wanted to talk about meal planning. I do, yeah. <laughs> So I cook a lot and I okay. love cooking and I used to do it a lot like kind of from the hip and on the fly and didn't really, I would make grocery lists but I would just kind of think about it as like, oh, I could do something with that. I could do something with that and not really thinking, okay, I want to make this meal and make enough to last me three days mm -hmm. and I'm trying to be a little bit more intentional about it and I'm doing okay <laughs> but it's not... Again, the comparison game, it's not those like perfect things that you see on Pinterest, but I'll get there. One thing with our podcast, Millennial Homemakers, is since we are millennials, a lot of the information online about meal planning or um, homemaking in general is catered towards families mm -hmm. of four or more with... And a lot of times, like, on a budget with a lot of kids. And so couponing and stuff like that is where I hear a lot of, like, if you look on Pinterest of meal planning, that's what you see a lot of. You don't see a lot of meal planning for one or meal planning for two. And that is a totally different game. It is. So figuring out, okay, these are the proteins that I'm going to buy, and here are the different meals that I can make, and I can overlap proteins so you're not having to go to the grocery store the day of oh. that you're trying to cook yourself dinner or have a friend over and then you spend $30 on one meal which would be the same amount of money that you would spend at Main Street Meats yep. getting a nice burger. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so, or more. And so kind of being intentional. One thing that I did a lot when I was starting to cook for myself, roommates, husband, whatever, is my produce would just go bad because I would buy way too much of it or I, I have wouldn't. That problem. Yeah, and since you're only feeding two people, even if you're making a skillet meal, you need onion. And so trying to find produce that's fine frozen, or if you are buying, you know, like lettuce, like a head of lettuce, that you might do a wedge salad mm -hmm. with chicken one night and then you would do like tacos or something, you know, mm -hmm. and you could like cut it up for something else. So trying to overlap ingredients, but then mixing up your proteins and then also factoring in if you take your lunch to work oh, what's yeah. going to travel well and things that you could cook the night before that you could easily turn into a lunch as well yeah for sure I used to have a huge problem 
that I would go grocery shopping like three nights a week. Yes. And that was me in college. Seriously, that was me in college every single like day after school because a Kroger was like on the way into my apartment complex. Oh my gosh. And Kroger is our grocery chain in Georgia and other places in the South. I miss so if Kroger you're listening this so Me much. too. I, oh my I gosh. know. <laughs> I love Kroger. I we had them when I lived in Atlanta mm-hmm. and when I was in Blacksburg at Tech. We had two Krogers. We had a nice one that had been remodeled that we called Gucci Kroger. And then we had one that was like nice but not as nice, so we called it Ghetto Kroger. But Well, in Atlanta they have Murder Kroger cuz like someone was like oh, literally yeah. like murdered. <laughs> In oh or gosh. outside of Kroger. So, so there's there, a yeah. murder Kroger, I guess. Yeah, oh my gosh, I miss Kroger so much. The guy that I used to date lives in Nashville, mm-hmm. and... Do they have Kroger? He how did. Do, he had How one. did we not have Kroger? I was so mad. There were times when, like, whenever I would go visit him, I would, like, want to go to Kroger just to, like, get certain... Because their store brand stuff is so good. Yes, it, and the plus card. I mean, you can get cheap gas, like, 20 cents off gallons of gas if oh my you have gosh. a gas. It was wonderful. There's I loved a Kroger it. down in Dalton. Oh, I didn't even know. And when I go down to Atlanta to visit friends, mm-hmm. or like I went down to the outlets this past weekend, I still have my Kroger card from college. <laughs> so like I'll like slide in there and pick up like some coffee or like whatever else I happen to need. And it's oh my gosh. We need a Kroger and we need a Trader Joe's. Yes, that is. The, <laughs> why does Chattanooga not have a Trader Joe's? And we need more Chick Fil A's. <laughs> Oh my gosh. If I had a Chick-fil-A and a Target on the bottom of the signal instead of like Crystal and Zaxby's and Walmart, I would yeah. trade all those things oh my gosh. for Chick-fil-A and Target. I wouldn't have to leave like my little mountain area. No. So the town my parents live in in North Carolina does not have a Chick-fil-A and does not have a Target. It's not like a huge town, but right. like it's big enough that you'd think they'd have a right. Chick-fil-A. And it was almost a deal breaker for my mom <laughs> to, like, move to this town without a Chick-fil-A. And... In Augusta, you're never more than, like, five miles from a Chick-fil-A. Oh, that's so nice. I mean, it's, like, a staple. Oh, my gosh. We always get Chick-fil-A on the way out of town after I've visited yep. people in Augusta. Oh, my gosh. A Chick-fil-A and Jimmy John's are my road trip stops. Uh-huh. When, when I drive to North Carolina to see my family, I have my exits, like, plotted out mm-hmm. along the interstate that I'm like, okay... This one has a Chick-fil-A, this one has a Jimmy John's, this one has a Panera, and that's the only time I ever eat fast food. But I make it good because I need something to keep me going. But anyway, back to meal planning. (laughs) I think the biggest thing for me is I just need to be better about, like, writing things down and holding Mm -hmm. myself accountable because I have produce that goes bad and I hate it and I feel so bad about it. And it it stinks. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, and then you think, like, this carrot can last one more day and it's, like, really bendy. Like, just... Well, don't lie to yourself. You're not going to eat it. No. <laughs> I have tried so many. I've tried spaghetti squash three times. And you I've, haven't liked it? I don't dislike it. There's. <laughs> I made a joke to my friend the other day. It's just not enough ROI for me. Okay. Like, the work that I have to do to yeah. cut it. and Cutting it ugh. is hard. And I had one friend that told me to cut it after you cook it. And I feel like I did that and it was way easier. So oh, I yeah. had to get Jordan to do it. Because it's like carving a pumpkin. It I mean, is. it's a gourd. Like, yeah. it, it is. And you're going to cut yourself, like, if you have that big butcher's knife. So... But microwaving it mm-hmm. is my number one tip because I always would roast it with, like, olive oil. Huh. Yeah, just skip that. Just microwave it whole and then cut it because it's way easier to cut. And so those are my two. Because I had a lot of spaghetti squash fails. 
Oh my gosh. But zucchini noodles, if I you have a spiralizer, those. I love zucchini noodles. That's one of my newfound things. I started, I bought a spiralizer a few months ago, like right before Christmas, I think. And not even a little fancy one, just a little, like, mm -hmm. about the size of a softball. And it does everything I need it to do. I love zucchini noodles. I've tried squash and carrot noodles. But carrot didn't really work out because carrots are kind of small. Oh, yeah. So that was kind of hard. If you buy, like, the big... Try to, like, buy your vegetables if you know you're going to spiralize and so you get their stalks oh, to be thicker. Okay. But I really like – I have a KitchenAid that, like, has this attachment mm -hmm. for it so I can spiralize a little bit more than the handheld ones. And you can buy them for pretty cheap on Amazon, like 20 bucks for nice. a bigger one. Um, so when I make, like, a roast mm -hmm. in the crock pot is I'll make – I call them koodles and oodles. So carrot noodles and onion noodles. Oh. And then I'll put the roast and the gravy over it, and I don't miss the potatoes. And, you know, it's just a good way huh. to not have – starch yeah. but then because it just sucks up to me you have to have a sauce if you're mm -hmm. going to have a vegetable noodle and you just want it to suck up whatever sauce that yep. a normal noodle would suck up that you wouldn't even taste the noodle really mm -hmm. so for me like with bread I usually don't eat bread unless it's like by itself with like butter that yep. I really enjoy yeah. <laughs> um yeah so carrot noodles and onions and bell peppers too I'll make like Mexican oh. and then I'll spiralize bell pepper and that's where you probably can't do it with your handheld one mm -hmm. you probably have to have like the machine yeah. to like stick it in so the bell pepper and the onions mm -hmm. and you use a flat blade so if you have one that you change the blades mm -mm. those you use flat so, interesting yeah. I will have to try that I have recently forced myself to cook and enjoy Brussels sprouts and cauliflower. Oh, yeah, I love Brussels sprouts. They were really hard for me because I'm super picky and mm -hmm. I couldn't get past the smell, but I finally found a way to roast them with balsamic vinegar mm -hmm. that they taste super good. And bacon. If you add a little mm. bit of bacon or like some bacon fat, if you had brunch, if you were tailgating mm. with yeah. Chattanooga Club, <laughs> then, uh, but the bacon fat to me really like cuts the bitterness. Ooh, so, I haven't tried that yet. Mm -hmm. And sweet potatoes. I like to do like bacon, sweet potatoes. I'll even do like little apples in the fall. Oh, okay. Anything kind of sweet. You just have to cut the bitterness. So that's probably what the vinegar yeah. does for you. I've, I think I've done it with sweet potatoes before. I'll have to try it with apples because yeah. that sounds awesome. I, I made, love fresh apples in the fall it too. It was this, um, it, I think it was balsamic. It was like a apple butter and then like balsamic and oh. you mix them together. And that was like the sauce Ooh. that you use to like toss all those veggies mm -hmm. with. It was really good. I did... I think it was called like Kung Pao Brussels sprouts oh, uh -huh. and it was like the Kung Pao Asian sauce mm -hmm. that you pour over right. once they're roasted and that wasn't bad but it was a little too spicy for my taste mm. so I like the balsamic vinegar because it's not as like strong and cauliflower so my best friend's mom used to make mashed cauliflower instead of mashed potatoes I'm a picky eater now but as a kid I was 10 times worse we used to have dinner at their house, and one night she made this mashed cauliflower but didn't tell me it was cauliflower because she knew I wouldn't eat it. <laughs> I just assumed it was mashed potatoes, and I ate them, and I was like, wow, Mrs. Reed, these, these potatoes are so good. And she was like, they're not potatoes, they're cauliflower, tricked ya. And I was like, but they're so good. To this day, that had been the only way I had been able to eat cauliflower a few months ago. I was thinking like, wow, I should really add some more veggies to my diet. And I don't know, maybe like, maybe I can do a cauliflower. So I texted her and was like, hey, remember that mashed cauliflower you used to make? Can I have the recipe? And she was like, 
you're trying this? <laughs> I was like, I know, I know. But she sent me the recipe and I made it on my own first. And then I made it for Christmas dinner at a home. Oh. Or Thanksgiving. I don't remember. One of the two, like, big fall holidays. And slowly started, like, using cauliflower. I made cauliflower soup last week instead of, like, loaded potato soup. Yeah. And did it with cauliflower That'd instead. Be good. And it was, it tasted the exact same. Yeah. I, I'm not into mashed cauliflower because I like, I feel like I could never get it as creamy. Uh, or, like, it was kind of, like, a weird, it was, like, either too, like, soupy or whatever. So, mm-hmm. um, but I really like to buy cauliflower rice. Ooh. And that's good. And you can get it, um, Green Giant has it in, like, the freezer section. And you can get it mixed with carrots or like on its own and it kind of has like garlic in it but it's really good especially if you're making like an asian dish oh i'll have to try that that. Mm -hmm. i haven't tried cauliflower rice yet because i mean rice just takes on like i said anything with sauce Mm -hmm. (laughs) you just want it to take on that taste and not the vegetable taste so it's it's a vehicle for getting the sauce into your mouth I don't hate rice. I keep it because it's cheap, but yeah. I, I really like quinoa. Oh, yeah. But it's high maintenance. Well, you can do, like, a little bit of quinoa, and then, like, and that's something I'll do, because I usually make a starch for my husband, because his metabolism is so fast. <laughs> and so I'll make, like, you know, that for him, and then I'll just add, like, a few spoonfuls, mm-hmm. and so then I still get that taste, but it's just, like, a lot less yeah. than I usually would. So I would add that to, like, my cauliflower rice. So, you know, you could add, like, quinoa in. I'm learning so many new things. (laughs) And then you could just refrigerate the quinoa and use it for all your different recipes that week. Oh, yeah. After you have it cooked, you know. There we go. Multiple uses. Uh, All right. We're going to wrap this up here. Do you have anything else you'd like to add? No, it's just so fun. And I love meeting other Chattanooga people. So it's a lot of fun to have, like, creative people who Mm -hmm. are creating stuff about the South just because I love it so much. And I think that it gets a bad rap so often Mm -hmm. that people are seen as ignorant and unaccepting. And that's a very different story than what I grew up knowing and believing and the South that I've experienced. So anything that promotes just our beautiful uh, landscape and culture and the people and their stories, I think it's wonderful. So amen. keep doing what you're doing, girl. (laughs) You too. All right. Uh, So yeah, we're going to wrap this up here. This has been episode four of the Nougat Bell podcast. Thanks for listening. Thank you.